Welcome back to the Present History Podcast and our Hitler's Kingdom Come multimedia project. This episode of the podcast is going to be a little bit different. We're going to be taking a deep dive into the wacky, crazy and fascinating world of the League of Christian Reformers theology. So, before we start, we're going to define some of our terms, just to explain some of the words we're going to be using in this episode, just so we're all on the same page. So, as a brief introduction, first off, theology is the study of the things of God, and how he exists, who he is, and how he interacts with the world. One of the next words that we come across is eschatology. This is the study of final things, or the last days. This would usually include most of Revelation in the Bible, and this is all about the return of Christ, the end of the world, and all that kind of stuff. So eschatology, or eschatological, if we're using it in a sentence, uh, is, is the study of last things, the final days, the end of the world. And in the case of the League of Christian Reformers, this was their belief that Hitler was the second coming. So they were living in eschaton. They were living in the last days. Thirdly, and probably most importantly, are two terms. Something that has been invented for this project, for the study of this league. Something we like to call Hitlerite Christology. Hitlerite, about Hitler. Christology, the study of Christ, the person and his work. So encapsulated in this is everything that the League believed about Christ and Hitler. The fact that the spirit of Christ lived in Hitler, that Hitler was Christ, and that the final judgment of the world was coming through Hitler. This is their Hitlerite Christology, and you'll hear this term a couple more times in the rest of the episode. So, now that we've defined our terms, grab a seat, settle in, and let's dive in to their crazy, wacky, fascinating theology. Christian reformers held some beliefs that were similar to Christian orthodoxy, yet at the same time diverged wildly with their introduction of Hitler. For example, their doctrine of original sin was practically the same as that of orthodox Christianity, in which man is inherently, naturally sinful after the fall described in Genesis 3. However, the League placed great emphasis on the idea of mammon, wealth, and the evil of Jewish global conspiracies, maintaining that it was these that continued to plague the world and continued to hold the human race in sin. Their law was the fascist ideology that they combined with their pseudo-Christian beliefs. The standard was no longer sola scriptura, or scripture alone, but was the Bible with the teachings of Baker, Hitler, and the fascist thinkers of the previous century added on. 
Their gospel was the good news of Hitler being the second coming of Christ and the beginning of the end of Mammon. They claimed that the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, where he took the place of the sinner and bore the wrath of God so that sinners might be saved, was not enough. In order to truly be saved, one had to hold to the belief that Christ had already provided salvation, but also needed to be saved again through Hitler. They were prepared to be outspoken and evangelistic for their cause, with Battersby willing to face MPs to share his faith, and with leaflets and pamphlets being distributed and public meetings being planned. Their priests were Baker, Battersby and Schneider, with disciples in Barlow, Schneider's sisters and their other members. Their means of atonement was similar to Christian orthodoxy, saying that the way of salvation is still open to those who seek God in true repentance. Except, in their case, this was not repentance inspired by the sacrifice of Christ, but by the wrath of Hitler's divinely inspired war. Their doctrine of new birth consisted of coming to the, in inverted commas, truth of biblical prophecy and serving Hitler as the second Christ and the divine instrument of judgment. The doctrine of Christ as the sole saviour and mediator between God and man no longer applied. With Hitler being the second incarnation of Christ, he was a second way to God, a second means by which someone could be saved. Their canon, or scripture, was the peveril written message to England and the world, their canon later became heavily based on the words of Baker, and eventually also the Holy Book of Adolf Hitler, written by Battersby in 1952. The Bible became only one part of a collection of teachings, writings and advice given by Baker, Battersby and Schneider. The practices of the League were daily prayers in the little sanctuary of Kingdom House, and evening prayers, which they finished with in the name of Adolf Hitler, Amen. They also stressed the necessity of taking a vow of obedience. Even the very act of communion with God came through the conduit of Hitler. In their Hitlerite Christology, Hitler assumed the role of Jesus as mediator and as a second saviour. In fact, there was an element of their beliefs that suggested that they believed that the political ideology of fascism and national socialism was God's destined route by which to bring about salvation. In 1943, Arthur Schneider wrote to the Home Secretary, Herbert Morrison, outlining this idea, stating, Number one, I believe that the world was created by Almighty God, and man was created in the image of God. Number two, Jesus Christ was sent by God to redeem the world by his sacrifice and crucifixion. Number three, Adolf Hitler was sent by God to deliver the world from mammon, enforcing the rule of God whom mankind has denied. Number four, National Socialism will fulfill the judgment of God foretold in biblical prophecy and establish the kingdom of God on earth. In this, we see just how closely their beliefs and politics 
were linked. However, in an attempt to go public with their beliefs, it was this joining of faith and politics that became a sticking point. For the fascist, they were too religious. For the religious, they were too fascist and too divergent from orthodoxy. This opposition presented the League with an ultimatum. Would they play to the political fascists, or would they pander to the religious clergymen they set out to convert? The first round of opposition the League faced was from the wider Christian base, into which they had tried to assimilate themselves. It was their attempt to present their beliefs with some semblance of genuine Christian orthodoxy that brought them to the attention of the Church of England, and caused Canon Reverend F.H. Campion to remark, I was given the leaflet by Captain T.G. Baker when I called at the house in the course of my pastoral visits. The character of the leaflet was such that I thought I should go to the police. Whether it is seditious or blasphemous is not for me to say. But in it, Hitler is described as the second messiah. The ideology expressed seemed to me to be ridiculous, but at the same time, dangerous. I have told my parishioners to treat the residents of Kingdom House as Christians, but to be very careful in their dealings with them. While it strikes as rather odd for Campion to recommend that his parishioners continue to treat the League's members as Christians, it shows just how close they seemed to be to Christian orthodoxy. They strived to maintain a semblance of true Christianity, so that they could be attractive to both Christians and fascists with their views and beliefs. Reverend Campion was not the only member of clergy to come into contact with and raise potential concerns about the League of Christian Reformers. While Reverend Campion took a very pragmatic view of the League, wishing not to stir up any animosity or conflict, there were others that decided the only course of action was to confront the League head-on, one of which being Pastor Victor J. Walker, who we spoke about last week on the podcast, so make sure to go back and listen to that if you haven't already. Pastor Walker did go away empty-handed. The League were unfazed, they didn't slip or turn from their beliefs in the slightest. Instead, they went on the offensive. In a letter written to the editor of the Nelson Leader in 1945, Battersby rages against the church, calling them out for what he perceived as some of their biggest flaws. He wrote, The organised churches, given a message of salvation nearly 2,000 years ago in the Redeemer Jesus Christ, have denied God by their historical rejection of that message and by their alliance with mammon. Nowhere was mammon more entrenched than in the church. Not only did the League believe in something entirely contrary to traditional Christian orthodoxy, they also sought to convert and redeem those in the Church of England and other such denominations. In the letters Battersby wrote to the Archbishop of Canterbury in 1942, he had his heart set on witnessing to the Archbishop and convincing him of Hitler's divinity and the urgent need to serve the cause of destroying mammon and overcoming the Jewish conspiracy. 
Battersby received no reply from the Archbishop. Partnering this with a subsequent letter sent to the Chief Rabbi, Dr. Hertz, on February the 5th, 1943, in which Battersby and Baker admitted their intention to influence all political prisoners and to give a helping hand needed for the conversion of all Jews, we can see the true scope of their mission. Not only were they going to target Christian denominations, but they were also going to attempt to convert all Jews to their ideology. This is a rather shocking notion, given the fact that Hitler was to be responsible for murdering over six million Jews. It is even within the pages of their original manifesto in 1942 that this mission can be found. In A Message to England and the World, Battersby and Baker wrote, We Englishmen, true to God and to England, declared the judgment, the final struggle between God and Mammon, and the God-appointed mission of Adolf Hitler as God's judge from our prison camp to the leaders of our country. This was what God has revealed to us, and it was ordained that we should witness to the truth. They believed that they were appointed to hold the truth of the present judgment and were ordained to convert everyone, from their fellow prisoners to the leaders of the country and everyone in between. The scope of their evangelistic intentions knew no bounds. However, it was this persistent religiosity and commitment to what they believed Christianity to be that ultimately led to the League diverging from their political backgrounds. Battersby firmly believed that the League was an entirely non-political movement proclaiming that these days are the final judgement of God for centuries foretold in biblical prophecy. Baker said, We are not pro-German or pro-Hitler or pro-anything except pro-Christian. We are practising Christianity. We have nothing to do with politics. Even in that statement alone, we can see just how contentious these issues were becoming for the members of the League. Yes, they still believed that Hitler was the Messiah. Yes, they still believed that Hitler was being used by God as the divine instrument of judgment against Mammon. And yes, they did also say that they weren't pro-German or pro-Hitler when it came to politics. So ingrained was this belief that Hitler was Christ that they could see nothing but Christianity when they looked at their beliefs. They didn't see that this was a political statement to support Hitler. They just thought they were worshipping Christ. Despite this shift in their view, away from the fascist politics, trying to clean up their image as a truly Christian organisation, their continual outspoken beliefs and prominence in the local community eventually sparked a violent response from their Petworth neighbours. And that story is for next week. Thank you very much for listening to this episode 
the Present History Podcast and the third podcast episode in our Hitler's Kingdom Come multimedia project. Make sure to follow us on TikTok, on Instagram, subscribe to the YouTube channel and to the podcast so that you never miss a piece of content. You can also head to the website at presenthistory.co.uk where you can find all our content in one handy location and you can find transcripts of every podcast episode with all the links, citations and references that we used to inform our work. So thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week on the Present History Podcast.